Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah with you in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Got Don Taylor and Kirk McLean coming up on today's program, so stay tuned for that. Plus, the Monday menu coming up a little bit later on this hour as well. But we start today's show with Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, I don't think we have a choice, do we? Well, Jim Rutherford, president of Hockey Ops with the Vancouver Canucks, you know, they made it pretty clear last season that, you know what, Jim is going to take a little bit of a backseat to uh, public speaking duties, and he's basically just spoken at year-end and year-beginning Yes, media conferences, news conferences, until there's a quote today with our good friend and buddy, Triple Threat, Ian McIntyre on sportsnet.ca from Jim Rutherford on Andre Kuzmenko. And, you know, when the president is not commenting on a lot of things and is allowing the general manager to handle yes. a lot of these questions, well, all of these questions, really, for the past nine months, I would say, then why would you come out and give this quote to Ian McIntyre about Andre Kuzmenko. I appreciate it. Hey, it's uh, it's something for us to talk about. I'm sure IMAC appreciates it too. Sportsnet.ca probably appreciates it as well. But it does feel like a little bit of pouring gasoline on the fire to me a bit, Sat. It, I mean, it, it is um, interesting, to yes. say the very least, that, that the comments are being made now. I wonder if this is about controlling the narrative when it came out that Kuzmenko may or may not be available. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it is more than anything else. Because we know how quickly things get out of hand as soon as um, a Vancouver Canucks player who has not been previously, who hasn't previously been mentioned in trade rumors, gets yeah. mentioned on Hockey Night in Canada. It does stir a hornet's nest, right? And every game Kuzmenko struggles, those questions get louder and louder. Especially when it's become public to that degree that teams are at least at the very, uh, at the very least calling in and wondering if he's available, right? And considering what Rutherford said, and Rutherford has been very consistent every time he's spoken that he's going to be honest with you. Yes. And he's going to give you an honest answer. And the honest answer is we don't only have we don't we don't only have one option with Kuzmenko. Yeah. I would, however, also be somewhat careful reading into that meaning that Kuzmenko is for sure getting traded. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, is this the time to trade a player in terms of where his value's at? And number two, is the market strong enough at the moment to do it? And isn't it the best interest in everybody for Kuzmenko to just start playing better? It would be the easiest outcome in this situation that has developed that Andre Kuzmenko just finds his goal-scoring touch and starts to uh, be a little bit more committed to the things that the coach has been asking him to do for a while now, and all of a sudden this conversation goes away. If he scores you know, uh, three goals in the next five games uh, and then like Sam Lafferty's done in, in the last little while, then yeah, it, it stops being a conversation. So that I, I do get, but when asked if the team will be patient with Kuzmenko and let the 27 year old work his way out of problems, Rutherford said this quote, well, We'll keep an open mind. I don't want to just lock ourselves into one answer, but we need to continue to try to help him. So 
the company line is we're going to continue to try and work with him. But at the same time, it's not anything that defers away from the way the club has handled a lot of things in that there isn't really too many guys that aren't available in trade for the right price with this team. And Andre Kuzmenko, essentially Jim Rutherford, I feel like is just saying, yeah, he's, he's available, but you know, for the right price. Well, he said the same thing about Brock Besser. He yeah. said the same thing about Connor Garland. Said the, said the same thing about JT Miller and Bo Horvat. Yes. And it got to a point where he said, hey, either he's going to sign a good contract with us or his trade value is really high. Hey, right? And that's, he, he, that's what he said. So we know that there is a price mm-hmm. for these players. And I think based on that comment, there's a price for Kuzmenko. My skepticism is it being met at the moment. Right. As was the same issue with JT Miller, as was the same thing with Brock Besser, as was the same thing with Connor Garland, right? The price has not yet been met. So you're listening, you're you're open to it, but the price hasn't been met. The question is what does that price even look like? Oh, that's a really hard question. He scored 39 goals last year. Yeah. He's got 4 this year. The difference also now is he's got a little bit of money attached to him, right? Five and a half uh on the cap for this year and next. So, as we always say, as soon as there's a little bit of term and dollars uh, attached to you as a player, your trade value inherently goes down, generally. And that's not to say, like, Andre Kuzmenko isn't worth anything, is at a point where you have to pay to get rid of him. I think that, you know, it's become very apparent that a lot of teams are interested in what exactly is going on with Andre Kuzmenko. Sort of tells you that he still has some level of trade value around the league since teams immediately perked up at the idea of like, hey, what's what's going on there, Patrick? Is, uh, you, you might be trading Andre Kuzmenko or is he not getting along with your coach? Uh, what, what are we doing here? Um, the fact that they immediately got calls on this player um, – I think tells you that there's there's still some trade value there. I think there's interest because the player yeah. is very talented. My question with with that, however, is I think a lot of teams were, were my teams were interested in signing him when he came over from Russia, right? Because yeah. hey, here's a here's a free player that could be a top six scorer, and he was in a huge way last year. And had the Canucks made him available for trade last year at the deadline, I'm sure there would have been a number of teams interested. I wonder, however, if the market for him was ever going to be as robust as maybe the 39-goal production at the end of the season showed. So the idea that at last year's trade deadline, the Canucks would have gotten some kind of enormous haul. And listen, this is not me revising history. Go back to the podcast. We, we spoke about this a lot because yes. there was a big talk of conversation for a long time. What, what should the Canucks well, when do the Canucks, about Kuzmenko? When the Canucks decided to sign him, that was the conversation. Like, why are they signing him? They could use the assets and, and trade this player rather than locking him in and taking away some of their cap space for the summer. At the time, I was very much pro-extending Kuzmenko to the type of contract he signed, you know, $5.5 million for two years. Um, because I was always skeptical that the return was going to be astronomical. Yes, he was an entry, on an entry-level contract, and yes, he scored a lot of goals, but as we talked about with his game, which Boudreaux saw and Tockett saw and is seeing this year, it is imperfect. It has to get better in terms of the overall team play, puck management, and the decisions he makes, because in the playoffs, those types of players easily get healthy scratch, no matter how many goals they've scored. Yes. We've seen it in the past happen, right? At the time, I said, how many games into the playoffs before Kuzmenko gets healthy scratch if he goes to a contender? This was last year. 
Hmm. And if and if I'm wondering that, you don't think the teams wonder that? When the coach here wonders that, when the organization here wonders that, right? And the previous coach, I wondered exactly those types of things about a guy who's very talented but has to still learn and develop. So if you're not even sure this guy can truly help you in the playoffs, what team was giving you a first and a great prospect? Yeah. Could you have gotten, you know, a late first? Maybe, I mean, he scored so many goals that maybe because of the contract, you know, teams couldn't trade for uh, players with term, couldn't trade for players with big contracts. At the trade deadline, Kuzmenko won an entry-level deal, was worth next to nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So you could have easily made that trade and added him. So that was cer- certainly going to help his value. But I, I don't think it was any ever an astronomical deal. Can you guess the equivalent to a second now? Which I think then, could you have got late first, a second and a prospect? I think I think a second and an okay prospect would have been kind of the baseline offer. Yeah. Can you get something like that now? I'd have my doubts. Um, you know, uh, Keith, the water guy, mentioning a player like Kent Johnson. So maybe you take a player that's out of favor somewhere else. Even that, uh, I'd be... Somewhat skeptical. Well, Keith, the water guy, would you do, do that straight up? I mean, the amount of cap space that opens up for you, though. Yeah. Right? Like, you're getting a prospect, Kent Johnson, who, yes, is flawed, but was very recently a very high draft pick. Yeah. So he's considered a top-end prospect. Local boy as well. Right. And you're getting, you know, $5 million in cap space, essentially. Um, it, it would be interesting. And the cap space thing, part of this conversation, I, I kind of had a chuckle about it, like... People were surprised that the Canucks are always looking for cap space, um, you know, and, and people saying the Canucks have cap issues like they they choose to spend to the cap when they traded Anthony Beauvillier and then immediately acquired Nikita Zadorov. That was them choosing to eat up the cap space that they had just opened up. And yeah. that's essentially been Jim Rutherford's M.O., not even just with Vancouver, but going back to his days in Pittsburgh. If he has cap space, he's finding a way to spend it. The only thing I get out of. Um, Elliot Friedman saying the Canucks are still looking to open up cap space is, well, they have a player in mind that they would want to acquire with that cap space should they be able to open it up. I think they have a couple, to be honest. I, th- I think, you know, Doran from Cumberland, Coos to Calgary for Tanev is a question. I mean, I don't know if it can be something as simple as that. And Kuzmenko does have a 12-team no-trade list. Yes. I don't know if Calgary f- is on that list. If I had to guess, I would guess Calgary would be on. And I'm not reporting anything. I'm just guessing. He saw the Earls in Edmonton and was like, nah. <laughs> so I don't know if he's going to love Calgary. And, right? and hey, and maybe he considered Edmonton because they have Connor McDavid. Yes. Last time I checked, uh, Jonathan Huberto, even though his money is close to what McDavid is getting, he yes. is not Connor McDavid. So I'm not sure that's the team you know he would be keen on going to. And I don't know. But he does, ha- he does have a tra- 12-team no-trade list, right? Tanev, and I mentioned this last week, if the Canucks are able to clear some cap space... I think Tanev on mm-hmm. the back end, especially like I mentioned Myers, if they can move him at some point, I feel like they're going to move him. I think they would to get Tanev if, if Tanev is still available. Like I think Tanev is somebody, if they can have the space, they would still go after. Yeah. But I still think they also want a forward. You, especially if you lose Kuzmenko, right? Yeah. We're, we're talking about a team that is already short of a, maybe a true top six guy with Kuzmenko here. You'd lose Kuzmenko. You still have to replace him up top. I don't think that they they're under any illusions that like Sam Lafferty is all of a sudden going to become a 30 plus goal scorer. Like he's fit in well yeah. in that spot next to Elias Pettersson and uh, does a lot of the, uh, has a lot of the traits that you like to have in, in a first, uh, in an F1 type player, but they'd still like to have more skill. I would imagine next to Elias Pettersson and more finish, more finish next to Elias Pettersson as well. So, it, it, it can work in short spurts, but 
you know, let's let's see Sam Lafferty, who I don't think has ever scored more than 12 goals in a season. Like, let's see if it can last a little bit longer than that. He's been really good so far. And that's probably the worst thing for Kuzmenko right now is he's been dropped down to the fourth line. And, you know, Pedersen's finally started to come out of that little slump that he was in. Yeah, Pedersen's looking a lot better. It's working with Lafferty, right? And with McKayev, which, you know, has been his his partner essentially the entire time since McKayev came back from injury. Yeah. So I think they play help his game. It comes down to Kuzmenko if he can get going with Pedersen again, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it comes down to. And can he get that spot back? And is he going to be in the uh, Bavillier vortex, or is he actually going to be <laughs> able to get out of it? Because what was, what was Bavillier? Guy that played on your second unit. Yeah. He wasn't every game, but he was exclusively on your fourth line, maybe your third line. Like he wasn't a realistic option ever for you. In but your Bavillier top six. doesn't have, doesn't even show the upside and the talent level that Kuzmenko has. One hundred percent. I'm just wondering if you're at the point where, yeah, if you're looking to move this guy, anyways, I'm not wasting, you know, time, time, time trying to figure out if he fits in my top six or not. I'll use him in the power play. I'll use him in, in a lot in a spot where his yeah. ice time is limited, and I wait for the trade to happen. Like that was that was a sign with Bavillier because we wondered at times like why not even give this guy a chance in your top six? Right. But he was never a consideration even in training camp. Pre- like he was never a consideration because it was very, it was very clear as soon as they could they were going to move him out. Yeah, and. As a, as a pending UFA, a guy that wasn't going to get anywhere near the money that he was already on, you can understand why that ended up being the conversation. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's another interesting quote here from Jim Rutherford on uh, on Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, I believe in the staff we have, and they will continue to work with him. He's a good player. He's a capable player. Is he a guy that's going to score 40 goals again? Maybe not, but certainly the way he plays, you should be able to project him at 25. So, you know, they're very understanding of where the shooting percentage was last year and that his numbers may have been a tad inflated from what uh, they could be or should be. And it's not to to knock Andre Kuzmenko. He scored 39 goals. He's never going to take that away from the back of his hockey card. You know, that's it's there. It's forever there. But the biggest thing here is not only is he not scoring. All of Rick Tockett's comments about Kuzmenko are with the sort of look-ahead feature of we need to get this guy ready for the playoffs. And it's to what you said, Sat. I can see how this guy helps you get to the playoffs. He can score goals in the regular season and do some good things. But is he going to be like Thomas Tatar in the playoffs where it's like – Okay, yeah, you helped us get here, but now we got a healthy scratch you. Oh, it's kind of like Thomas Vanek. Remember in Vancouver? Yeah. Like, hey, this guy would score 25 goals, maybe for you, 20-some goals, and get you 50 points. But he can nobody... help you get there, but is he helping you in the playoffs? And is anybody – and at the, at the end with Vanek, then teams were offering, what, the Canucks got uh, um, Tyler Mott for yes. it, right? And there was this uproar about – How you know, did they not get a, a better pick yeah, it for was Vanek, like, who was scoring quite a bit that year for the Canucks? He was doing fine. He was doing fine, right? But it was like, yeah, I mean, uh, he was traded in the past for a second – and didn't do anything in the playoffs, and teams looked at it and said, yeah, just this is not a guy that we can count on in the playoffs. We don't think he can play the type of hockey we need in the postseason, so we're not going to be giving up assets for him. Now, I'm not saying Kuzmenko's value was that low yes, or is that low right now. It's just an example of the types of players that teams wonder about, and unless you exhibit certain traits, teams aren't going to be keen on giving you a chance unless they're not paying too much to do it. Like I'm sure a number of teams would yeah. love to bring Kuzmenko on as a project, yeah. The question is, what are they willing to give you for it? And the coach is interested in working with this project, but even he has sort of um, 
He's told us about his level of concern that, you know, Kuzmenko's got to get here so that I can trust him in a playoff-type scenario, yeah. which is what the Canucks are already thinking about. So that's the other half of the conversation around Andre Kuzmenko. Now, uh, this text, you know, you mentioned uh, Rutherford saying, is he a 39-goal scorer? No, maybe a 29-goal scorer. And this text says, like Ray Ferraro, Ferraro says, is he a 40-goal scorer or a guy who happened to score 40? Parentheses, 39. Yes, not yeah. 40. But... I think that's a good way of looking at Kuzmenko. Is he a 40-goal guy or a guy who happened to score that many? And what type of player do you need to be? What type of player can you be? And I think for him, the biggest question is, what type of player can you be? Yeah. And how much can you help in those other areas when you're not scoring? It's right. ultimately the biggest question for him. And a couple of things real quick. People said, uh, this one says, no hell, no way in hell Columbus trades Kent Johnson. And this one says, if you can get Kent Johnson, you take it and run. We were answering a question about yes. Kent Johnson. Uh, and this one says, Canucks should be uh, the media market in, is bipolar. Uh, time to uh, saying Kuz is amazing. We should trade Kuzmenko. Um, this is what I would say. We're not saying trade Kuzmenko. Yes. We're saying this there, there's a discussion <laughs> out there about Kuzmenko right now because there was a report and Jim Rutherford responded to it. Yes. And Jim Rutherford didn't deny the possibility of a trade, essentially. Yes. He we'll said, keep an open mind. Exactly. What uh, wasn't exactly this resounding endorsement of keeping Andre Kuzmenko. So I think that's the thing to keep in mind here. And again, everybody has a price. Yeah. Do people give Vancouver the price they want? This is like uh, slagging people for getting excited about Otani to the Blue Jays when there was like real credible reporters <laughs> saying he might be going to the Blue Jays. Yes. <laughs> That's I mean, I, like there's me credible reports. That's it. That's all. from the number one insider in the game, Elliot Friedman. I mean, the team's president. And now the team's president is commenting on it. You know, we'll see what happens. This isn't us just making stuff up out of thin air. There's. But anytime, some there, there. anytime he's spoken on things like this, Rutherford, yeah. the player has very much been available. Yes. And that's generally <laughs> his way of either saying up the offer or um, or it could be, on the flip side of that, a way of trying to quiet it down uh, and trying to get the player to uh, play a little bit better. But all because the cards, that's really what it is right now is he's not playing well enough. Hey, all the cards are on the table now, right? Yep. There's no no surprises here. So I think that's what it is. And can you work it out? I think so. I mean, again, like if Kuzmenko steps out tomorrow against Tampa and goes off on power play one, gets back on the line with Pedersen, gets down a heater, it's over. Like it's everyone goes quiet because he's going to score, and they're like, fine, like it's working. You know yes. what I mean? Like again, if you trade Kuzmenko, you got to replace Kuzmenko. Yes, it's not that simple. Like it's they probably still got to add on top of Kuzmenko. What's so. the best solution here? Him scoring goals, right? Yes. Yes. He's the most talented option that they have internally right now to fill that role in a top six spot that could score. And uh, they just need him to start doing that. So that's it on Andre Kuzmenko. We didn't even have time to get to Ethan Bear, but we will eventually dive into that conversation a little bit further after uh, Sat mentioned uh, over the weekend that the Canucks were out. And now that's been uh, pretty much thoroughly um, vetted out. And uh, Washington seems to be the favorites. Um, it's, you know what, we'll do the Monday menu later on after Don Taylor. But on Ethan Bear, I think we should we should pick up on Ethan Bear and, and what's gone on there. As, you know, this morning Rick Dollywell says the Canucks are out on Ethan yeah. Bear following what you mentioned over the weekend and reported over the weekend. And that's really where this all headed. You know, the Canucks spent the money that uh, they could have used to sign Ethan Bear on Nikita Zadorov. 
we discussed this on the weekend. I don't think there's really too much qualm with that. But now they've been priced out of the market as other teams are saying, yeah, we'd really like to have a free agent look at a right shot defenseman that can fit into our group. Yeah, and if he's getting a couple of years or something, right? Like for And here's the thing. like Ethan Bear has earned in his NHL career so far about $7.5 or so, mm-hmm. which is, hey, it's sizable money for us, anybody, yeah. right? But in terms of NHL money, it's it's not that big, right? Yeah. Let's say he can get two times two, mm-hmm. even. And I don't know what the offer is going to be from Washington or wherever he ends up signing. But I'd imagine it's something along those lines or more, right? So let's say it's $4 million even on the lower end. That's more than half of what he's earned in his NHL career so far, right? Yeah. And he's had injury issues in the past. You don't know what the future holds. Yes, he's collected some money from insurance this year, which was a smart thing for him to have. But... It's hard for a guy like that to say no to that, you know. Yes. And I think in Vancouver, it was very much, "Hey, you, you, we want you back, but it's for a million bucks." Even if Vancouver had the cap space, I don't think they give him two years. Yeah. So I, I think if he's getting term, I just don't think that was going to happen with Vancouver. Now, if you like Ethan Bear a lot and you're for it, then hey, you can make the argument that it's worth it compared to uh, Zadorov, who's going to cost you more, bigger term, and you you feel like he's a righty defenseman, and you would have rather done that. That's a and that's a fair point. We also have to be honest about that's a long-term point. Yeah. Because when and if Ethan Bear can help you this season is a huge question mark. For a team that needs help right now, when is Ethan Bear going to help you? And this was our question about Ethan Bear even a few weeks ago, even before the Zadorov trade was made, was, hey, pump the brakes on when you know Ethan Bear being a big solution for you. I love the idea of adding Ethan Bear as depth. Yeah, signing him to a cheap deal, and maybe he helps you sometime in the new year, and you have some depth. Great, but if you think he's going to come in and help you now or be a solution, you know, pretty imminently, that's not happening. Yeah. So, it's a longer term play, and for a team that needs help now and has aspirations to be a team in the playoffs, Ethan Bear was never going to be the solution. It was always going to be, hey, if you can be here for a cheap price, we'd love to do it, and we'll see what happens in the off season. But now with another team at least being willing to give him something, you know, it just it just wasn't going to be Vancouver. It could have been uh, – it would have been nice because you would have had some options. Um, but as we outlined, if everybody were to be healthy, Ethan Bear might be your seventh best defenseman on the roster. The other value in – after they acquired Nikita Zadorov, of course. The other value that Ethan Bear may have provided to this team, in my estimation, is a- an option you know you can go to with – Quinn Hughes like they played together last year but I would wonder if you're playing Quinn Hughes and Ethan Bear in top shutdown minutes the same way that they've played Ethan Bear uh, sorry Philip Ronick and Quinn Hughes together so that would be the one distinction so whatever the uh, Corsi numbers and scoring chance numbers all say um, did they play Quinn and Ethan Bear in heavy heavy shutdown minutes last year I don't I don't know if it was as much in the same way that they've done that with Quinn and Philip Ronick this year. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't think that if Ethan Bear comes in, he's playing the same role Horonic is playing. Yeah. Now, again, like I think if you looked at this as maybe later in the season, maybe next season, yeah. could you have Ethan Bear with Quinn Hughes and then have Horonic on, on his own pair with somebody else and you're only paying Ethan Bear a couple million? To me, okay, that's a fair point to make, long-term thinking, right? I just don't think that's realistic. Yeah. Especially based on where this team is at right now and what they were looking to do. Um, If it was a year, I was all for it for Ethan Bear. It's just... 
A one-year look. A one-year look at be all for it. If we're looking at giving term, I just wasn't comfortable. And I wasn't even comfortable giving Ethan Bear a big contract after last year because I like Ethan Bear. I think he's a third-pair defenseman. Yeah. And I I know what the analytics say, but in terms of usage, trust with coaches, the details in his game, and and what he needs to do, I don't see him being a bona fide, clear-cut, top-four defenseman. But at $2 million, again, like it makes sense. It's just I just don't, didn't see the fit being here. We'll always have that year-end interview we did with Ethan Bear last season at Rogers Arena. Man, it was good. Guy could talk. Great quote. Always love that. But you know what? If he's going to get paid and going to get two years from Washington here, that's, uh, that's good for Ethan Bear. And it, it's going to be interesting because Washington already has John Carlson, uh, Nick Jensen, and – Trevor Van Riemsdyk, all signed to long-term and somewhat expensive contracts for the next couple of years. So they will have a surplus of right-shot defensemen, which could open them up for trades elsewhere down the line, potentially when Ethan Bear is ready to go and fill a regular spot into their lineup. But uh, Canucks are out on Ethan Bear. We might have to talk about what other options there might be to explore. You mentioned Chris Tanev. Could there be others? We'll discuss that. Plus, we'll also get to Don Taylor and the Monday menu still to come on this hour of Canuck Central.